Hallelujah. Well, if you will, this morning, take your Bibles. We're in a series right now called Made for More, Made for More. Um, our series is coming out of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and um, I'm excited about what God's doing. Again, I, I just would join in with Mark and say thank you. Thank you for everything that's, uh, that's transpiring and taking place. Thank you for your, your faithfulness. Thanks for being who you are. Amen? Go ahead, turn to somebody say, he's talking about you right now. Sorry, sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You ready? I'd like to read that scripture this morning. Beginning in the first verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, and here's where we kind of picked up our, our, our series at, it says, for this reason, I remind you, okay, you, to fan into a flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And I just uh, have to say again, I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful that God thought about us, that God loved us and cared for us, had a plan for us before the foundations, before the ages began? So, and I believe those purposes are for us to be, uh, for us to know that we are made for more. Over the last few weeks, we've touched on a couple of things from this, uh, these sections of Scripture here. The, the very first thing, and just in way of review that Paul talked about was he said, I, I want to remind you of the sincere faith. And if you were here a few weeks ago, we had some masks up here. That sincere faith meant, said no hypocrisy, no mask wearing, no, um, no hiding, no separation from God or separation from people. So, so have a sincere faith, a faith without hypocrisy. And, and um, I've got to tell you that, that just time and time again over the last few weeks, uh, there have been different people that I've met, and uh, I've noticed, oh, man, they seem to be wearing a mask. They seem to be kind of posing or pretending a little bit. And I've even seen in myself, and maybe you've seen this, that there's been times when you get into a certain situation, you go, I just really want to put on a mask, right? <laughs> I want to hide from these, some, of, some of these issues and situations. And Paul says to Timothy, this young son, this son in the faith, but this young pastor at this, at this young church in Ephesus, he goes, listen, you, if you're going to lead this church to to be everything that it needs to be in the city of Ephesus, there can't be any pretense. You've got to be who you are. You've got to be who God's called you to be and God's made you to be. And then he goes on and he says, so for this to happen, you have to take responsibility. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can live out a sincere faith for you. Even though your grandmother had it, and this is a good word for us here today, even though grandma had it and mom and dad had it, there's only first-generation sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. Amen? You may have a spiritual heritage, but you've got a first-generation relationship with God. 
so God says, so Paul says to Timothy, he says, you take responsibility for living a life of sincere faith, and then you be the one who he goes on to fan into a flame the spiritual gifts that God has put into your life. And that's our individual responsibility. Nobody can do it for you, and we don't want anybody to do it for us because we want to experience the, the blessing of growing in the gifts and the graces that God has put in our lives. And, and so we went through and we talked about, we put up on the screen a whole list of spiritual gifts, and um, we talked a little bit about spiritual gifts a few weeks ago. One of the things that I love when we do our membership class, our membership class, which our next membership class is coming up, on August the 13th, August the 13th, if you um, would like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you be a part of it. One of the things we do through there is we go through and we, have a, we take a personality test, which is one of my favorite things to do with people because then we find out they do have a personality. Contrary to what we may believe, there's really a personality there. Right? <laughs> so, and that, that not only a personality, but they also have, they have um, spiritual gifts. And if you want to know more about your spiritual gifts, I was in the process of cleaning out some of our um, stuff that's going on. This is the spiritual gifts test that we, we use. It's something like this. And I've got about, I don't know, 15 or 20 of those that we'll put out on the Welcome Center when you're leaving today if you'd like to have one of these to take with you. Because it really is. It's your responsibility to search out, to discover the spiritual gift that God has put into, in you. That, and, and every single person, you remember this? We read this in the scripture. He said, he gives to each one, everybody say that with me, each one, each one, okay, to each and every one of us, he gives us a spiritual gift. And that gift is put in us for the profit, for the benefit of all of us. And we talked a little bit about how that it's important for each and every person to discover and to develop and to deploy their spiritual gifts. And we talked about the process of this. And some of you may remember, we kind of, we, um, we drew a pool up here. All right. And we said, okay, that, that the process of discovering your spiritual gifts really goes something like this. You get uh, some kind of instruction, like you're hearing today about spiritual gifts. And you go, well, maybe there is something to this spiritual gifts thing. So you walk over to the pool and you get up on the diving board and you dive in to this place. You say, okay, I think I have the, some type of a gift of serving. And so you, you dive into serving and you jump into serving and, and all of a sudden you're, you're out there and you're greeting. You've got a smile on your face and you're opening the door and making people feel welcome or you're, you're serving in some area of hospitality or you're teaching or you're, you're ministering at the highest, greatest call of all places in the entire world. You're in the nursery. There should have been a whole lot of amens and a little less laughter there, folks. I'm, right? How many people say, man, changing diapers for Jesus? That's where it's at, right? So, <clears throat> all right. So you, anyhow, you've got this. You say, you know what? I'm going to discover. I've got a little bit. I've discovered some of my spiritual gifts. So now I'm going to put it into practice. And you jump in and you get on a team. And, and all of a sudden, you start to serve. And usually, what's going to happen? You get involved in the church. And usually, something will go wrong. Okay, uh, somebody will step on your toes, somebody will um, offend you, somebody will uh, make sure you're, that your, your soul gets pierced a little bit, you know, uh, you, you lay out a suggestion, you have an idea, and everybody looks at you and goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 
all right? And all of a sudden, now nobody's ever heard that. Stick around, okay? I mean, it's <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden, you feel this sense of rejection or, or maybe I missed it or maybe this wasn't it. And so the temptation is to get out of the pool and go pull up a, a lounge chair and sit on the pool deck and work on your tan. And so all of a sudden, we've got a whole bunch of people who've dived, they've got into the pool, and now we've got a lot of people that something took place, they got offended, they got hurt, they did not get approved, they did not get accepted, people didn't clap loud enough when they did something, they didn't cheer loud enough, they didn't affirm them enough. And if that has happened to you, with all sincerity, I am so sorry. As a pastor, as a spiritual leader, I, I'm looking at you today and saying, if you've ever experienced hurt in the church or in the kingdom of God or in some Christian relationship, I sincerely, I sincerely say to you, I'm sorry, that's not how it's supposed to work. But how many people here live in a perfect world? Anybody? Anybody know that we still, even in the kingdom of God, we're still living with human beings, right? We're still living with fallible people, people that still have issues and and sometimes those issues hurt others, and sometimes our issues hurt others, right? So, so if you find yourself out here on the, the poolside, let me, let me just say, Paul would say to you, hey, wait a minute, D don't sit on the poolside. Don't let that, that, that which was burning brightly at one time just float, just ember those, turn to an ember and then die out, but fan that spiritual gift. And so we learned a little bit about how do you fan the spiritual gift? Well, one of the things you have to do, and this... This takes being brave, it takes being strong, it takes being powerful, it takes being overcoming fear because you know what? If we get back up on the diving board and we jump back in again, you know what? There's a possibility that we could get rejected again, that we could miss it again, that we could, you know, I, I mean, in, in, since uh, a few weeks ago, it's been interesting to hear people talk about, well, you know, at one time, I thought my spiritual gift, see, I, at one time, I really wasn't supposed to be a pastor, I was supposed to be a worship leader. And uh, I saw that face back there, Jennifer. Jennifer's like, oh, no, dear God, please, please, no, not that, not that, you know? No, no, man, or, or I can remember, I told you all about the summer of evangelism. I knew I was going to be the next Billy Graham, you know, so I'm out traveling around doing ministry, and boy, boy, it, was, it was great, great results, but it was horrible. And then so it, then we start, well, maybe I'm going to be a professor at a college, and we go and get education, and what happens is, we go from place to place. Maybe I'm going to serve in the nursery, and that doesn't work out. Well, I'm going to go and be an usher or a greeter. Or I'm going to have that gift of hospitality or, or intercession. And I was on the intercessory prayer team, and I feel like that's probably not my call because every time I go in there to pray, I fall asleep. And, and I'm just telling you, that if that's what's happening, that's not your gift, okay? You need to find another area. But, but, but realistically, statistics will say that about five or six times, You'll go through this process of trying something and, and moving. And, and can I tell you, one of the things we've worked very, very hard at here at New Covenant Church is to not put a lid on somebody and say, hey, listen, you're going to serve in the nursery till Jesus comes, or the only way to get out of it is you're going to have to leave and go to another church. Now, I've been in situations like that where you get put in an assignment and you stay there until, until you know? And that's not the way it works. And so let me, let me tell you, one of the things we said is stay in the process. Amen? Everybody with, say that with me. Stay in the process. Don't give up. Don't quit. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes decades. 
Sometimes we get out and we sit on the pool. And, and can I tell you, one of the greatest hindrances to the work of the kingdom of God right now is all of the spiritual gifts that are up on the shelf. All of the spiritual gifts, the gift of encouragement and the gift of giving and the gift of service and, and the gift of helps. Some of, I'm telling you, the gift of helps. There are so many people that I believe right now that have the gift of helps that's beating in their heart because here's what I hear people say, I want to do something. Okay, then, but then they spend so much time trying to define what the something is. Let me tell you this, just start doing. Just, just come and say, I want to serve the worship team or I want, to, I want to serve the ushers or I want to serve the children's ministry. I want to serve, and I'll tell you what, you tell us that and we promise you that we will help you get to serving. Amen? Amen. So let's get some of these gifts out off the shelf and off the pool deck and get back in here and get into the process. Get into the process. Some, there's some gifts of teaching and some gifts of prophecy and you taught one time and it fell flat and, and people, you know, got up and ran out and all those, and let me, you know, don't, don't quit. That doesn't mean, okay, that doesn't mean it's a, it's a responsibility to discover the gifts, to develop the gifts, and then to deploy the gifts, to put the gifts into service, amen? If you're a writer, you think, well, I wrote one article, man, I sent in my book and they rejected it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Amen. Keep writing. Keep editing. Stay in the process. The gifts were given in the body, right, to individuals so that everybody could profit, so everybody that could benefit. I've got to tell you that as a pastor, there are times this week I was meeting with somebody else. I really wonder if, if these gifts are like gears, and, and, and the gears have to be connected and, and if one gear has to be turning for the other gear to turn, I wonder how many gears are separated and isolated. And, and there's a gift over here waiting to be turned, to be turned on, to be released in the body. But somebody else, somebody else has to get back in the pool. Somebody else has to get back into the process. Amen? Amen? And so we're calling you up today. We're saying, hey, listen, if you've tried before, it's time to come on back into the pool. It's time to get back into the water. It's time to engage. It's time to use your gift in the church, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, so that everyone can benefit. Amen. That'd be a great time to say amen and clap really loud. Let's practice that. Amen. All right. Not for me. Okay. I'm, but does everybody see the importance of this? I mean, can we really see the importance of this? Just, just suppose your gifting is what's, it's the key. And we've seen this throughout the building program. I still go back to, we, we were at, you know, a, what, eight months ago? We were at a, a roadblock. I mean, the building team was sitting around a table, and we had a, a budget number that come, came back that said, it's over, we can't do this. And all of a sudden, one lady said, well, I'm sure that you all have already considered this. Why don't you do it in phases? And everybody kind of looked at everybody and go, I didn't think of that. Did you think of that? Why didn't you think of that? And, and it unlocked, it was the key that unlocked the door to say, yeah, let's, let's do phase one, and then we'll come back and do phases two and three and more and other. Your gifting could be the key. Who you are could be the key. You could be the one that God's waiting to say, come on. I'm going to help you discover. I'm going to help you deploy. I've got purpose for you. I was reading this past week, the scripture in Jeremiah, and, and it, it, it alarmed me. 
where it says, for I know the plan I have for you. You know, it doesn't say plan. It, say, it says plans, plural. God's got a multitude of plans and purpose for your life, to use your life to impact souls for the kingdom of God. Amen? So, and I, and I know this. I, I know that, that it takes bravery. I, I know that when we've been hurt and to, to risk. But you know what? That's exactly what God says I want to do. If we look at the section of Scripture that we were talking about here in 2 Timothy, in verse, or chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, God did not give us a spirit of fear, of timidity, of cowardice. That, that word really is delia. And, it, and in the Greek, it means this. It means someone who, in the face of opposition, takes off and runs. You know, you know God's created us to run, but not from things, to things to run into our purpose, to run into our destiny, to run into the opportunities that he's given us, to run into our purpose in the kingdom of God, to run into seeing souls saved, to run into the culture and into the world, to help that world see the light and to be rescued. We don't run away. Fear is the atmosphere that the enemy thrives in. Fear is the place, the main weapon of the enemy against our lives. He's always trying to speak something. Fear, we've heard this before. Fear is a prophetic spirit trying to give you information upon which you will act so that you will make a wrong decision. And God says, that does not come from me. I have not given you the spirit of fear. God says, I've got a better plan for you. I've got a different atmosphere for you to live in. He says, as a matter of fact, I give you power, love, and self-control. I believe God wants to make us brave. Brave. Now, brave is not trusting in ourselves, and it's not trusting in others. Being brave, as Mark's already preached, okay? <laughs> Being brave is trusting in God. God is the only one that's trustworthy. Listen, folks, in case you don't know it, let me remind you. We can absolutely, positively trust in both the character of God, who He is, and the conduct of God in all he does. He is absolutely always going to be trustworthy, loving, gracious, kind, and merciful to us. And so he says, in light of who I am, the first step in being brave then is to put your trust in the Lord. Amen? He says, so trust in me, and if you will trust in me, then I'm going to pour myself into you. And I'm going to give you a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So instead of sitting on the pool side, I'm going to give you the spirit of power so you can get up out of that chair. I'm going to give you the spirit of love so you'll have a desire to make an impact in the lives of others. And I'm going to give you a spirit of self-control. I love the translations that talks about it. it says God gives us a sound mind. As a matter of fact, in my Bible here, there's a little note, and it says that, that the spirit of sound-mindedness means this. It means that you'll be able to properly receive information being able to process information rightly and then act appropriately. And that's what God does. He says, I want to give you the ability, the power. I want to give you the strength, the desire to get up and to get back into the pool with your spiritual gift so that you can, that you can make right decisions, you can receive right information, that you can process it. Listen, when you're acting in fear, when you're responding in fear, you can't process information correctly. Only in the Spirit of God will we be able to act in an appropriate way. So God wants us to move off of the pool deck and back into the pool to take another swing at it. And folks, let me tell you this. It really is worth the risk. It's worth the risk to saying, you know what? 
There was that time when I, when I got embarrassed or there was that time when I got disappointed or there was that time when I was hurt and to say, you know what, that may be what happened to me, but that's not who I am. And I'm going to risk it. I'm going to jump in one more time because God's given me a spirit of courage. He's made me brave. He's made me strong. He's made me powerful. He's brave as being able to step into the change that God has for us. And can I tell you that just recently, just in the last couple of weeks, I've had a um, perspective change about change. How, ma- how many people here have ever heard the statement that says, oh, people fear change? Anybody ever heard that? How many people, anybody ever heard that? Let, let's think about that for a minute, okay? How many people really fear change? I would say that that's a, that's a billboard the enemy's paying for. That, that, that's, that's a lie. I mean, we don't fear change. We love change. Oh, somebody's saying, oh, wait a minute. He's trying to sell something here. I'm not sure I'm drinking this Kool-Aid. All right, so. Well, let's think about it. Um, I really do think we love change. I, I've, let me just share with you some of the statements I've heard just over the last week or so, all right? I heard parents talk about a change. I, I heard parents mention that, that their baby's sleep schedule had changed and they got a full six hours of sleep. How many people think they love that? Come on, I feel a witness, right? So, right? Anybody? How about this one? I, I talked to somebody recently. They got a promotion at their job and they got a pay raise. Anybody want a pay raise, right? Anybody want, to pay, anybody want a change in your pay that goes up? Somebody, anybody want a change in your pay that goes up? Yes, how, right? So, yeah, we, we like change. We like that change. Uh, how about this one? I, I heard somebody that said they were excited because they were, they were getting ready to change their daily routine. They were going on vacation. They were going to go enjoy the beach. Woo! Hallelujah. I resemble that remark. I'll be there in a couple weeks. So, right? Do people like change? Anybody here like change? Right? I heard a family that, uh, you know, tortured us with their reports of the great Northwest, and we're sweltering in the heat, right? And, and they're, sending, they're sending back text, have to wear a jacket today, right? <laughs> change of perspective, change of atmosphere, change of destination. Do you think they hate, oh no, I'm afraid to go on vacation. I'm afraid to get a raise. I'm afraid to get sleep through the night. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. No! I think the enemy has sold us a bill of goods. I I really do. I I don't think we necessarily fear change. I think sometimes we fear how it gets communicated to us. We fear when it gets processed, when it gets gets pushed, pushed on us, right? We, we, We like change. I heard somebody this past week was telling me about a new restaurant that they went to, and man, they really enjoyed it. They said it was a a great experience, but it was a change from the normal. People love change. You know, (laughs) I I, I heard one family this uh, recently, I'm sorry they had to go through the cost of this, but uh, that they were talking about how thankful they were that their broken air conditioning system had been repaired and they had air conditioning in their house. How many people know that's the kind of change I'm talking about right there, right? Right. So come on, why do we buy into, why are we so quick to believe 
that if something's going to change, it's going to be bad when, when so many of our changes in our lives happen for the good. There's so many wonderful things that take place. There's so many amazing things, so many blessings that takes place. And so I think this is where bravery, this is where faith comes in. Faith sees the benefits of what is ahead and gives us a perspective to see that the best is yet to come. If, if all we can always see is just the negative and things are bad and they're going to go get, they're going to get worse and the sky is falling and, and it, I'm having a no good, terrible, rotten for nothing day. Let me tell you, that's not living in faith. That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of Eeyore. Does everybody know? Right? Do you know who Eeyore is? Okay, that's not a spirit. That, that's not the spirit God blesses. God's saying, hey, I want a spirit of faith in my people. I put my spirit in my people. So instead of seeing the negative, we see opportunities to change. Uh, we're going to look through the opportunities to, ch to change through the eyes of faith. We're going to know that God wants the best for us. Anybody here believe that God wants the best for you? That he's trying to make you the best man, the best woman, the best family that you can possibly be. That he wants the best for us as a church. He wants the best in our communities. He wants the best for our children. Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. And so we need to line up. We need to line up with what God says about things. And literally, literally, my next point was, that's one of the reasons we're building a building. And then Mark went and named them. I'm telling you, right? If you want to know what they are, just go listen to Mark's teaching there. So, but, but no, no, seriously, why? why? Look, I, I believe that God wants to bless us as a people. You don't have to raise your hands on this, but I know that in this congregation today, there are people who have been faithful as stewards, that you've given faithfully, and you've not just given of the tithe faithfully, but you've then taken the 90% and you've used it wisely, and, and you haven't just consumed it all on yourself and for your own purposes. And can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says that then he who is faithful in little, that God will increase him and give him more. That's, that's not pastor saying, that's the, how many people understand? No, that's the Bible, right? That's the Bible, right? Is it? Well, here he is preaching a prosperity gospel. You know what I'm preaching? I'm preaching a provision gospel. God is the one who has promised this and has said this. And can I tell you, I believe that's what he's doing with our church. Now, I'm not going to break our, my arm trying to pat ourselves on the back, but, but there's been a real diligence made through the years to be good stewards. And not that there aren't ever times that we haven't spent too much on this or that or haven't done, you know, but I'm telling you this, that, that from day one and from dollar one, we put money aside into savings and we put, we've tithed. And Dan and Janet, some of our finance team members are here today, that, that every dollar... It's come into this church over the last 14 years. We've tithed on it, and we've sent it out into the work of the kingdom of God, and we've sent it to sponsor missions trips and missionaries and support ministries locally and globally, and we've given to orphans and to people. We've remembered those who are in prisons. And can I tell you that? It would be unfaithful to not believe that God wanted to bring increase and increase our, our stewardship in the kingdom of God. I believe that that's one of the things God is doing. He's giving us a greater ability. He's entrusting us with more for better stewardship. I believe that he's entrusting us with the opportunity to see more people saved, more people healed, more people saved. Amen, right? More and more and more people saved. I mean, 
that, that's what it's all about, right? And to see people healed and to, pe to see people set free, to see people have an experience where they are healed in their soul, where they maybe were believing something that was a little bit twisted and God gives them a fresh, new, right perspective. I want to see that. I'm telling you, I want to see that for every one of you. I don't want to see one person in this body walking around with a hole in your soul when God wants to come and he wants to heal it. You know, I'm deviate just for a quick second here. One of the things I've been studying recently has been anointing, the anointing. And, and we talk about the anointing and we anoint people. We do that here. We anoint people with oil and we pray for people. But do you, do you know what the word anointing meant in the, in the New Testament times? It meant, really, it meant to smear. Uh, last night, we got to celebrate Jackson, our grandson's uh, first birthday. Yesterday, Friday, he was one year old. Woohoo! Grandma hasn't drove us into the, to the poorhouse yet, but, uh, but it's been a great year. It's been a quick year. But you know what? He took some of that cake, that smash cake stuff, and, and smeared it on his face. You know, I was thinking, man, that's, that's what anointing is. That God would come and in the hurt places of our lives, he would, he would not just take a dab, a little dab will not do, but he would take a whole clump and he would smear healing onto the hurt places of our lives, onto, onto the broken places of our lives. That God would smear his presence over us so that what people see isn't Sam or isn't you, that what people see is Jesus. Don't you want that? Don't you want people to see the presence of Jesus in and through our lives? I want to see that more and more and more. I want to see more people. I believe one of the things God's given us the privilege of is to see more people step into the fullness of their gifts and their destiny, to, to discover those gifts, to deploy, to develop those gifts, and to deploy them. And, and let me say this, on a scale of 1 to 10, if you've stepped in and you've, dis, you've discovered your giftings, and you're, you're at a two, don't stop. We, we want to help you take the next step. Go to a three. If you're at a five, go to a seven. If you're, you know, let's, let's keep in the process. Let's stay in the process because it will benefit you. It will benefit those around you. It will benefit the work of the kingdom of God around the world. Amen? Amen. I really, really believe this. I want to see more people, more men. Men? I believe one of the things that God's doing is he's entrusting us with the opportunity to help more men be the godly husbands that they were created to be. Amen? I mean, I believe that. God, we're, guys, we're calling you up. We're saying, come on, take the next step. Don't, don't just don't, don't stop it in the recliner. Step out of that recliner. Step out of that safe place. Step out of that place. Just go ahead and step in. Be brave. Take the next step. If you've got breath, God's got purpose. Amen? He's got purpose for you, and I, I believe that. I believe we're going to be able to impact more men, that they're going to be godly husbands, and, and they're going to be men who are fathers who are leading their sons and daughters. They're going to be champions for Christ in the workplace. You want, you want me to tell you, I believe one of the things God is calling us to do as a church is to be a part of the, last, the great last day's revival. I, I believe we're going to be part of initiating that here in East Texas, here in our community, here in our neighborhood. But can I tell you where I think the greatest manifestation of it's going to take place? I, I believe people are going to come into the church, but the manifestations are going to take place in the workplace. They're, they're going to take place when 
You're, you're at lunch with one of your friends, and they're pouring out their heart about how, how man, they're going through hell at, at home, and, and life is tough, and me and my wife, we're not getting along, and we're separated, and we're divorced, and or we're working towards divorce, and you're going to look at him, and you're going to say, brother, let me help you. I've got a solution. I've got an answer. I want to tell you, you don't have to give up on that marriage. You don't have to give up on that family. You don't have to give up on the blessings of God in your life. And you're going to be able to help them. And we're going to see revival break out in the workplace and on the campuses and in the schools because God is working in us and through us as his people. What a great opportunity. What a great trust he has given us. Men and women, ladies, on and on and on. We're going to make more of an impact in our community, more of an impact in a reconciliation and this is something that I've got to tell you is really on my heart, a reconciliation of relationships. This has always been part of who we are, Re reconciling broken marriages. Let me, let me just ask you, anybody here ever had a struggle in your marriage? What are you doing? We need to set up an appointment for a freedom appointment. I'm telling you, something here. Well, the truth is, we have. We've struggled. There have been difficulties. There have been times. A couple of weeks ago, we were speaking different languages. And I don't know about you, but sometimes if somebody can't understand the language I'm speaking, I think if I speak louder, they'll understand it better, right? Hola! Right? You know what I'm talking about? Right. That's not how it works, is it? But, but I believe God's got a heart for reconciliation that burns and beats in him that he wants to burn and beat in us. And a reconciliation of relationships of husbands and wives and, and families. Parents, I know that there are people that you pray for your lost children. You pray for those sons and daughters. And, and I'm telling you, God wants to reconcile those relationships. I, I know that there are a race reconciliation. I, I was talking about it with somebody this week. Listen, you know, the issue isn't the color of skin. The issue is the attitude of heart. And God wants to reconcile hearts and and it starts with having a heart reconciled with Jesus. Yeah. Folks, I'm just telling you, God's got purposes that go beyond anything that we can imagine. I don't want to see you as an individual or us as a church miss one thing that God wants to do. That's why God has said, I give, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind and ability to right, make right decisions. And let me go ahead and encourage you. Read on ahead a little bit. Because the very next thing that God says is, so don't be ashamed of the gospel. I'm telling you, God's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. He's given us a spirit of bravery so that we can bring the message of the gospel to every man, every woman, every boy and girl. Not, not from the pulpit, but from your mouth and in your home and in your job at your job and in your school, God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for you. You ready to see those gifts stirred up? How many people say, you know what, I'm ready to take that next step. I want to step out of any type of fear in my life. I want to step. I want to be brave. Is there anybody here this morning? Let me put it this way. If you'd like to be brave today, why don't you just stand up and say, God, I want your spirit of bravery, your spirit of power in my life today. Amen. The Lord sees that. Amen. Amen. I want to be brave beyond the hurts, beyond the pains, beyond the past, beyond the failure.
Listen, that may be what you did. You've heard it a hundred times, but it's not who you are. Only God gets to define who we are. Amen? You ready to receive that this morning? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and hurry and pray. Let's see if we can pray before RJ gets his music ready. Hallelujah. How about doing this with me this morning? Would you just extend your hands like this? And why don't you just say, Father, I don't want fear to have any part of my life. Just tell him, say, God, I, I resist. And as a matter of fact, I, I rebuke any influence of fear in my life. I don't want to sit on the poolside. I don't want to sit on the deck, God. I want to jump back into your plans and your purpose for my life. And so, God, today I say I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own ability. Holy Spirit, come on, church. Just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come and to, and to fill my life with your power and with your love with that ability of self-control to only be controlled by you, to never be controlled by anything else. And so God, I thank you this morning that your plans and your purposes for the men and women of God here are to just be freshly anointed, your presence smeared over their lives, that it marks who they are, that, that as they walk out, somebody says, oh, I see, I see Jesus. I, I sense the presence of Jesus in each and every life. And so, God, I just thank you for doing that this morning. I thank you for the healing that you've worked in our lives. I thank you for the love that you overwhelm us with. I thank you, God, that you really do have a wonderful purpose and plan for every person. And that as each person does their part, then surely every part will benefit. Your kingdom will expand. The name of Jesus will be made famous. And God, you will be glorified for doing that today. Come on, church. We, for doing that today, God, we say thank you. We give you glory. One more time, why don't you go ahead and just worship him. Give him glory and honor. God, we bless you. God, we worship you. We receive all that you have for us now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Anybody receive that today? Anybody believe that's a word, a timely word for us today? I, I believe that it is.